Welcome back to Head of the Pack. We come to you from the lobby outside the Lambeau Field press box. The Packers just reeled off another impressive win, 42-21 over the Detroit Lions. It wasn't always pretty for the Packers. They were down 14-3 after the first quarter, and you thought maybe this one was headed for a similar close finish as the two games last year. But just like in Minnesota, after a slow start, the Packers were firing on all cylinders on offense. The star of today's game... Uh, was Aaron Jones. You know, last week the the Lions saw what Devontae Adams did to the Vikings, so they keyed in on Devontae Adams, and Aaron Jones went off. You know, 22 total touches, career-high 236 total yards, three touchdowns, and he he seems back. And, And when I say back, I mean back to the guy from last year who could dominate any game. And he's since proven uh, since starting this season that last year was not a fluke. So, Bill, what would you think of Aaron Jones will start off first. We'll get into a lot of different things, but what do you think of the game Aaron Jones had today? The guy is brilliant, and that's going to, of course, beg the question here down the road of how much do the Packers pay him? Do they pay him at all? I think we got into that last week, too. Um, he is just a nightmare, though, where if he gets in the open field, it's it's funny. You know, I'm such a, I'm a kind of a draft guy, and you know, he, he wasn't like this great scouting combine star as far as like the 40-yard times go, but... He gets in the open field, forget about it. He's just he's gone and he's he's so slippery like that touchdown. It should have been a game of about 10, but two Lions missed him and then just forget about it. The guy is the guy is amazing. Then he catches the ball. There's a deep pass to MVS in the fourth quarter, and he just stones the blitzer. I mean, the guy is a remarkable three-down player, and he was not that when they drafted him a couple of years ago. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point, how he's improved in all facets of his game. And and there were three plays that I'd like to pinpoint that really showcased that today, the touchdown run uh, to start the second half. And like you said, the two Lions linebackers, I think uh, they were both linebackers. Jones was probably seven to 10 yards behind them, and they were relatively close together toward the middle of the field. And Jones didn't you know, try and cut it around the outside either way. He just ran straight up the middle and through and past them, and they couldn't catch him. That's the running part. The, the pass catching part, that 30 yard or whatever it was catch down the sideline that he had with a hand in his face, he came down with it. Aaron Rodgers told us after the game, you know, he did not have any second thoughts about throwing that ball and he called it a fantastic uh, catch down the sideline. And then, like you said, that blitz pickup he had on the deep ball down the sideline to MVS, that's Jared Davis, a pretty good middle linebacker yep. coming barreling down your face. It, it oversized, uh, at, at least compared to Jones. He's stronger than you, and Jones stonewalls him. And Rodgers is able to find MVS down the down the sideline for a 41-yard gain. So Aaron Jones has really become a complete player. And the good part about him is, you know, I know we're supposed to be objective, but, you know, as a person, just as a person, he's impossible not to like. And he answers all these contract questions with a smile on his face. And he said today, he even shortchanged himself a little bit. He said, you know, I think I'm almost to the level of Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara. I think he's shortchanging himself a little bit. I know he hasn't put up the consistency that they have over the last couple of years, but if this dude is going to keep doing what he did last year and and he did today, you know, he had 19 touchdowns in the regular season last year. He's on pace for 30 for 32 this year. I I know obviously he's not going to keep that pace, but one touchdown in week one, three in week two. And we're, I'm going to ask you again, before we move on to our second topic, the more games he has like this, it just 
becomes harder to make the case that they shouldn't pay him. Do you agree? Yeah, I would say sort of in a normal circumstance, but you're going into a 2021 year where the salary cap's going to take a going to take a dive and maybe a significant dive. They've got to resign Bakhtiari. They, they don't have a ton of cap space anyway. I don't know how you devote all these resources to Aaron Jones. I mean, I mean, what did Dalvin Cook him? He's getting what 13, 14 million a year. And I know you can structure things one way or another, but that, that generally has not been the Packers' way to, to you know kick the salary cap can down the road. It's it's going to be fascinating. To your point, though, I mean, this is all you want is your guys is you want them to progress. That's what you're looking for. And I go back to his rookie year. I, if you go to Pro Football Reference. You can type in a whole bunch of stuff as far as, but he had the lowest yards per target of any player going back to like 1992. So he was terrible in the passing game. He was kind of a speed bump at times as a, as a pass protector. He got hurt. I, I, who could have seen this coming? So he is, he is improving. So you, you feel like that's worth rewarding. And he is, he's this yes sir, no sir kind of guy. He's a team player. He's got, he's everything you could ever want in a player. But then it comes down to the financial realities of it. I just don't know how you can afford him. But then again, how, how do you not afford him from from an 18 perspective? It's going to be a really, really difficult decision. Yeah, that's it. it I mean, it, it's going to be almost impossible for the backers to make this decision. And um, kind of going off of Aaron Jones, I want to talk a little bit about this receiving core because that's obviously been a, a hot topic throughout the offseason and throughout the regular season, Aaron Rodgers pretty much went into the X's and O's of how um, the Lions kind of took away Devontae Adams. He only had three catches on three targets for 36 yards after having 14 catches for 156 yards and two scores against the Vikings. But the thing about this Packers offense is you take away Adams, you go to Jones. You take away Jones like the Vikings tried to do last week, you go to Adams. But Rodgers says, you know, we have more than just that. We have, you know, Bobby Tanyan after he kind of disappeared in, in week one, had two catches for 25 yards and a touchdown today. MVS, Lord Almighty, if it wasn't another MVS experience <laughs> today with a couple bad drops, and he almost got knocked out cold, it looked like, but then he comes back with three catches for 64 yards and and shows he can be that deep threat. Jamal Williams quietly had a really nice game with eight rushes for 63 yards. That's over seven yards a rush. And he uh, is a great number two running back in this offense. Um, Bill, if teams, if the better defensive teams have enough to kind of limit Jones and Adams, do you think the Packers have enough to diversify their offensive portfolio where they can still put up these absurd point totals even when teams aren't letting Jones and Adams kind of go off like the first two weeks? Do you think we're going to find out next week against the Saints? Probably. Probably, right? I mean, that's a legit defense with legit corners. Uh, you know, they haven't faced any corners yet, right? I mean, Minnesota's corners are all, all, all young. You know, Detroit's top two guys, top two proven veteran guys are out today. I mean, they haven't, you hate to be Debbie Downer here, but I mean, they, they haven't played anybody defensively. So I, can Alan Lazard separate against the Saints corners? Can Velda Scantling get behind the Saints corners? Assuming that they can maybe put one guy in Adams and have at least some success. I mean, I don't know, but you know, I know Tom Silverstein phrased it this way to Rodgers today. Is, is it kind of pick your poison? Maybe it is. Um, Rodgers seems so comfortable now that, you know, the, the great quarterbacks can always kind of lift everybody up. And maybe that's what we're seeing here, where Rodgers is really feeling comfortable in the scheme. 
and he's got kind of a total mastery of it. He knows where the ball should go, and he is able to make guys maybe play a little better than than what they are. So, again, you know, maybe this is a better topic for next week. Let's see what Lazard does against these against the Saints and stuff. I, I I would be inclined to say they don't, but man, the way the quarterback's playing, who the heck knows? Yeah, and something that could plague this offense going forward. I, I know you keep track of this. I I didn't keep track of it today. But the drops, and I know they've scored 85 points in their first two games, and I'm being a little nitpicky, but they could have easily scored 100-plus if they yeah. don't have all the drops that they have. I mean, Jay Sternberger, good Lord, he had two really bad ones today. One of them, that probably wouldn't have been a touchdown. Another, that would have been a clear-cut first down. Um, MVS had a bad drop today. I think Aaron Jones, you could probably give him a drop. You might be able to give Lazard a drop. And Rodgers said today... Uh, he used the word obviously when he's pointing out that they had too many drops. And, you know, everyone knows that. He's not, you know, throwing guys under the bus. And then obviously last week, MVS had a couple drops. So if they shore that up and eliminate these bonehead drops, you know, I know they haven't played a great defense yet, but when they do play the better defenses, the San Francisco's, the New Orleans, maybe even Houston, the Tampas, like these better teams that have offenses closer to what the Packers are, they're going to need to catch these balls because they, they'll have a, a lot slimmer margin for error than they do against the Lions and the Vikings. But overall, pretty good from the Packers offense. I wanted to ask you about a guy on defense who has who has been a hot topic since the Packers drafted him number 12 overall last year, Rashawn Gary. He, he looked... Today, like everything Mike Smith has been talking him up to be, he had a sack and a half. He had the pressure on Shannon Sullivan's pick six. If he can be like this, this is a pretty formidable three-headed pass rush they have, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and this is one, sometimes the best defense, I wonder if if, it's, if, you, if your best defense isn't a really good offense like these guys have. This, this kind of reminds me of a bit of back in 2011 when the Packers, I think, scored the third most points in NFL history. And their defense wasn't very good, but it didn't matter because, <laughs> because they would score a bunch of points early. They might force a turnover. And all of a sudden, now they're up by two scores. And now you just crank your pass rush loose. And, and, and you're right. If they can, you know, say you go, you go up by 10 points or whatever, now you can turn your pass rush loose. And good luck blocking Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, and Rashawn Gary. And they've got guys who can get the ball in the secondary, and it just kind of turns into an avalanche. So... I, th- I think it, it's probably up to the offense to keep scoring because at that point, yeah, then I don't, I don't know how you block the Smiths and Gary because you're right, Rashawn, I mean, we, we saw it in training camp where it looks like, you know what, I, I think he's going to be a re- good player. You hear Mike Smith raving about him, and, and, now, and now you see it where, man, he, he is just so fast off the ball. He's got power. He's really got the whole package. And you thought, at least I did, I don't know about you, that at least to start the game today, it would be another, well, Packers are going to have to score on every drive because their defense was Swiss cheese to start. And, you know, against the Saints, against maybe the Bucks, against uh, the Texans, the 49ers, they're not going to be able to give up these touchdowns on opening drives and, and let these teams march down the field because, you know, the the Packers probably won't be able to score at will like they have been doing, but I thought their defense did a nice job of kind of clamping down, still a little bit of uh, taking their foot off the gas there in garbage time, I guess you could say. But, you know, Shannon Sullivan with the the big pick six, Rashawn Gary and Zadarius Smith with sacks right on the goal line. Um, 
I haven't been too impressed with Christian Kirksey uh, in coverage. I know it's not Blake Martinez, but it always seems like he's making the play after after the play, if that makes sense, um, after the Lions have gained 5, 10, 15 yards. But, you know, right now they can afford that. And obviously there are still some things that they have to shore up. Um, but I think that can be done, especially – here's what I'll say, and I think I've had this discussion with you several times. It's incredible how a defense seemingly with so many great individual players, Jair Alexander, Kevin King, Kenny Clark, I know he was out today, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, can be at times so bad. But I think that's also uh, your saving grace when you have those guys who can make an incredible individual play to kind of save you at times. Isn't that today's NFL though, Matt? Where, I mean, there's the offenses are so good, the rules are slanted. I mean, everything is in favor of the offense. Isn't that today's NFL where you just just get a couple stops, make a couple plays, you know, whether it's forcing the punt just before halftime, whether it's the pick six, whether it's the key sack. Isn't isn't that today's defense where just make a few plays and let your quarterback do the rest? Don't you kind of think that's the way it is? Pretty much. And, you know, the Packers have, I I would say, the Packers have a pretty decent quarterback if you're going to put the ball in his hands. And, you know, if you're saying, all right, rely on your offensive playmakers – Packers' offensive line is incredible. I mean, I know David Bakhtiari had the hold today, and they gave up the sack on third and 20 when they're up by 10. But for an offensive line that has had so many moving pieces through the first two weeks, I mean, Lucas Patrick started at left guard last week, started at right guard, and played center today. Elton Jenkins goes back to left guard. Um, Corey Lindsley gets hurt, and like I said, Patrick steps in. John Runyon comes in again today. Rick Wagner starts and plays well. Like For all the moving pieces— They've only allowed one sack and one penalty through two games. Um, obviously, tougher tests will come, but the offensive line is really where this starts. And to give Rodgers ample time to find Jones, to find Adams, to find Lazard, to find MVS. And if, like you said, this is obviously an offensive league. And if, if you're saying, all right, which offenses are we counting on to win games? The best offense is going to win this game. Packers are in the top five in the league. I mean, in in terms of which offense you're putting your money on. So they'll always have that for them. Um, I want to get to a couple questions from from our Twitter audience. We've got about 16 here in, in a couple minutes. So we'll start with Cecilia J. Bugface, if I'm pronouncing that right. Why can't Green Bay catch the football? That's a good question and a worthy one. Thank you for the question, Cecilia. Um when I covered the Raiders a couple of years ago, they had serious problems with drops. And we would ask Jack Del Rio and John Gruden all the time, how can you improve on drops? And I think the same here. They say you get on the jugs machine, you grease up the balls, you put water on the balls. But more than anything, I think it's mental. And I know that's kind of a cliche answer, but it's clearly mental with Jay Sternberger. You know, the mm-hmm. dude can catch a football. But why? Uh, I could... Ca- I could catch the balls that he dropped today probably not but you get what i'm saying the first um, one i'll say the first one you can the first one i probably could you're, you're fairly athletic there's it's a kid who, for the athletic <laughs> <laughs> there's a kid who's been kind of buried on the depth chart you know a rookie's getting playing time ahead of him and it, i think he's just in his head mvs we we've had the confidence talk that's kind of in his head lazard with a rare drop today aaron jones with a rare drop but more than anything i think it's just mental what do you think yeah, part of me, you know, and this comes from maybe the ignorance of not watching anybody else this year because we're kind of busy. 
I just wonder if it's just early in the year. Um, they, they had, what, two and a half weeks of real training camp? Um, there was no preseason. There was no Packers-Texans scrimmage. Um, I guess I, I, I would need to know more about what's going on around the NFL. I just think that maybe it's a little bit difficult to catch a football when you know you're going to get hit. You're not quite in that groove yet. I mean, this is, I mean, they've legit had two, two days of catching footballs so knowing you're going to get hit. That would be today and last Sunday against Minnesota. So I, I right. guess I wouldn't be super worried about it. What, what do you think, though? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be too worried about it. I think what you might start to see is Rodgers just intentionally thrown to the guys who he trusts. I don't think Jace is going to get another target for another couple games. Um, you know, he obviously trusts Marquez. How can you not when he can create that separation? you got to at least take a shot yep. on him. You know, Tanyan has good hands. Lazard does. Aaron Jones does. Jamal Williams does. Devontae does. So that's more than enough for Rodgers to throw to. Yeah, I think so. Um, again, we're going to find out because, you know, the, the good defenses – are going to maybe make you put the ball where you don't want to put it. So at some point, these guys who have been a little sketchy are going to have to show up. Yeah, I agree. All right, second question from Josh at JP Davis 1982. How is Devontae? That's a good question. It is um, a good question. Our guy Jason Wildy, and I'm not ragging on him for this, but I, maybe I kind of am. He asked uh, LaFleur in his post-game press conference um, a two-part question about Devonte, how is Devonte? What's the level of concern there? And then also asked about the drops and Matt Lafleur being the uh, swift press conference talker <laughs> that he is. Just answered the second part of that question. Um, I think more so he just forgot what the first part was. But we'll get an update on Devonte tomorrow. No, no update right now. I tend to think, and this is just me guessing. I don't know, so you'll have to check out what Lafleur says tomorrow. Um, to us tomorrow afternoon, but I I think he might have been in there if it was a closer game. That that's just my sense from watching his body language on the sideline. Um, but obviously, something to keep an eye on, especially with the Saints coming next Sunday night and it, the two star receivers in that game, Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams, both dealing with some injuries. Now Devontae's obviously a hamstring. Um, but uh, I don't want to, I mean, I did just assume something, but don't take anything I said as, as a matter of fact until Matt LaFleur talks tomorrow. Because, and the thing is, you have to remember, Packers went 4-0 without Devontae Adams last year and scored 32 points per game, which ranks second in the NFL over that span. So I think they could compensate for him. Yeah, I, I think you have a good point, though, on Adams, where he, to my knowledge, unless I miss it, he never did go into that little blue medical tent. I believe he was on the sidelines. So if you're not getting checked... Hopefully, maybe, probably a good sign. But again, don't hold me to it. Like if you're, like if it's your fancy football team, and you uh, play Adams next Sunday, he doesn't play. Don't, don't blame me. It's not my fault. <laughs> That's a good point. All right, third question. We'll do five here today from Tyler Daniel. Tyler, appreciate your question. Do you keep Jay Sternberger on the bench until further notice? He's a liability yep. right now. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you yep. do. I mean, there you go. That was easy. You, <laughs> one sentence explanation for me. He hasn't shown that you can trust him. And like Rogers said to us after the win against the Vikings, the most important thing for a receiver is to earn a quarterback's trust. And Rogers ha doesn't, and this is just me assuming, doesn't um, trust Sternberger, nor should he. 
because he hasn't proved. It's not like Devontae makes those drops, but you know you can trust Devontae. Sternberger hasn't proven that he can be a reliable pass-catching threat, and then he makes those two drops as his first two chances, really, of his NFL career to kind of get in a rhythm in a game. So, uh, yes, you got you, you can't. You, you can put him on the field maybe to throw a chip block here and there, but you can't trust him to catch the ball. Right, and, you know, Tanya's going to catch the ball. So you got Tanya who can handle that part of it. And we saw DeGuara in week one against Minnesota handle all the other stuff, you know, the, the fullback, the H-back, the movement stuff. So they've got guys who can do all the things that Sternberger can do. So at this point, you're right, I, I don't see a whole lot of reason to put him out there then other than you can't play two guys 60 snaps so yeah I totally agree with you Matt totally agree and here's another one on a, a good question from tortilla chips this Twitter's handle is tortilla chips at mild salsa geez you're getting me hungry over here <laughs> um Aaron's relationship with MVS question mark impressive that he persists is MVS just a third year player that is going to be plus minus I'm guessing that means kind of up and down all over the place or think he becomes more consistent with coaching gotta believe so but might make or break this season like we've said a couple times, I think there's always a spot for MVS on an NFL team, and particularly this one, because like you saw again today, he can take the top off a of defense, and you got to at least give him a chance to catch the ball then. I mean, he has those, I think he had two more drops today, but then, or maybe just one drop. I'm not counting that diving catch where he got jacked up as a drop, but then Rodgers goes back to him, MVS absorbs another huge hit, makes the catch, draws the penalty, and then a couple uh, minutes later, I believe, has the 41-yard gain down the sideline when he barely has any space to move on the sideline. So, listen, if I'm the Packers, I take those drops if I get those big plays because the, the risk is high and the reward is high, but I think the reward outweighs the risk at this point. What do you think? Yeah, I can't, I can't argue with the word you said there. It's, that's right on the money. When, when, you, when you get... But he had two long catches last week and, and a 41-yarder this week. I know Lazar can get by guys. I know, I know Adams can. But, I mean, really, he is the one guy who's got a chance to score from 60 or 70 anytime he's on the field. So, yeah, you you, you got to live with it. you got to hope that maybe as the season progresses, he gets he gets a little uh, – can work some of these kinks out. But, yeah, you, you got to stick him out there because he's – you know, unlike Sternberger, like I was talking with Sternberger, Sternberger's got a, a replaceable skill set with other guys in the roster. Nobody can do what MVS can do. Correct. Yeah, and, and that's why he'll always be on the field. Uh, fourth question from Splash. And the profile picture is a dog with a set of gold grills, so I like that. After two <laughs> weeks, what are the top-tier teams of the NFC? It's always hard to say after two weeks, um, but I think the Packers are right up there. I think... The NFL should institute a rule where no team from the NFC East gets in the playoffs. Um, Washington's going to be 1-1. One one. The Giants stank their 0-2. The Eagles stank their 0-2. Mike McCarthy's Cowboys pulled off a 20-point comeback to win 40-39 to against the Falcons today, but that was kind of more of a Falcons self-implosion. Um, I think the Saints, they play uh, Monday night against the Raiders. I think we'll see what they're made of without Michael Thomas, how they can kind of weather an injury. The Rams are looking really good there, 2-0. The Seahawks, I think. The 49ers are interesting because they're 1-1. One one. They whooped up on the Jets today, but uh, Kyle Shanahan said Nick Bosa likely tore his ACL. Solomon Thomas, their third-round pick from 2017, or no, their number three overall pick, I should say, from 2017, I believe he tore his ACL. Jimmy Garoppolo had a high ankle sprain. 
they've got injuries all over the place. And when they were healthy, or mainly healthy, they lost to the Cardinals last week. So Cardinals are interesting there 2-0. But in terms of the division, the NFC North, the, the Bears are 2-0, but um, they've squeaked out wins against the Lions and the Giants, two of the worst teams in the NFC. The Packers have beaten the Vikings and the Lions pretty convincingly, and just based on recent history, I'd say the Packers are a safer bet than the Bears. So, Bill, what do you think just from seeing how these NFC North teams have played in the first couple weeks? Yeah, I hate to say it's New Orleans and Green Bay and, and, that, and everybody's behind them, but man, I mean, the 49ers injuries that you just listed, that's, that's brutal. It's brutal. Uh, man, I, I don't know about – I know Tom Brady's – He's got six Super Bowls, and he's got a one hell of a supporting cast around him. I don't know. Um, I guess I need to see him and see how he kind of grows into this offense over the next four to six weeks. But I might, I might go at this point, New Orleans and Green Bay, and everyone's chasing. I can't, that's and, I, bold. and I honestly can't believe I'm saying that, but um, that's where I, I will go. I, I can't go, believe you're saying I can't, that. I, I will go that way, though. Fair enough. And, and lastly, from uh, Parker Mose, Packers' number one fan on Twitter. Will Aaron Rodgers maintain his stellar level of play at quarterback? That's a good question and a fair one. I think it will be tougher against better defenses. We'll be able to gauge um, the answer to that question probably a lot better, a lot more fair after Sunday night's game against New Orleans. Um, The Vikings and Lions say what you will about their defenses, but not great secondaries. The Lions were banged up. The Vikings were young, but... Still, I think you have to be happy with what you've seen from Aaron Rodgers so far this season. He hasn't thrown any interceptions, which we, which we, which we expect from him. Uh, over 600 yards. The majority of his incompletions have been drops. He's thrown the ball extremely accurately, aside from one uh, errant pass to Aaron Jones today, kind of out in the flat on a swing pass. Six passing touchdowns. Uh, he was kind of single-handedly responsible for that Robert Tanyan touchdown today, kind of threw him open, like you said. I believe it was you, Bill, uh, when you asked Rodgers that after the game. So early indications, like we talked about, this hype of a new Aaron Rodgers, uh, a refreshed Aaron Rodgers, someone who's in a good headspace, it's, it's translated to the field. And I know we've talked about on prior podcasts, are we buying into this hype that off the field translates to on the field? I certainly think it does. He looks so much more decisive, doesn't he? Don't don't you think? He does. I think so. I mean, last year, I don't know if it was just year one in the offense and, and really hadn't developed that trust with Alan Lazard and MVS and Aaron Jones as a pass catcher yet, but he looks, like you said, he, he does look more decisive in giving these guys chances to to make those plays. He told us, and I, I know I said this a couple minutes ago, but he didn't think twice about throwing that 50-50 ball to Aaron Jones down the sideline. Last year, he probably would have thought twice, and today that decision pays off and Aaron Jones comes down with it. Um, so I think it's a little bit of him being more decisive and also him having a little bit more trust in the guys he's throwing to. All right, so I got a couple questions for you, Matt. And Actually, one is on Twitter, then I want to go back to Rodgers. But since we're doing the fan questions... You've gone to a lot more stadiums than I have. David Ruiz wants to know who has the best pregame meal. Oh, that's easy. Buffalo Bills. Um, When I was covering the Raiders, I went to Buffalo in 2018. I believe it was week eight. And they had three different total layouts of wings before the game, at halftime, and after the game. And it was the most incredible layout of not only wings, but everything else. Um, 
I think Dallas is a close second. They have a tremendous spread. They, last year, when we went to Dallas last year for the Packers game there, it was some of the best mac and cheese I've ever had. Um, I'm a sucker for the cheese curds here in Green Bay. They're a little soggy for my liking compared to some other ones I've had. And, and so far on my boxed lunch press box rankings, which, Bill, I know you've had both, um, the Vikings beat the Packers by a pretty wide margin. You know, they had a nice crisp BLT, uh, two sugar cookies, a banana, some chips and queso, and today it was kind of a dry turkey and cheese. But yeah, I'd say I'd say Buffalo and Dallas are my clear-cut top two right now. All right. Sounds good. So now here, here's a, a real question from actually from me. So you get that was here. A real, and, that was a real question. Well, yes. But this is it's, people love football, I hope. Otherwise, we'll go back and to food. The, the, yeah, I do. Yeah, that's true. So you get here, and you've heard all about the wonders of Aaron Rodgers. He's the greatest this, the greatest that. And I'm sure you saw him on TV and stuff, too. So you get here last year. And you watch him for 18 games. What did you think? Did you think, what is this? Because this is not the guy I've been hearing about. I, I want to know what you <laughs> thought. Of, honestly, I want to know what you thought of Aaron Rodgers is car, compared to um, what you expected from Aaron Rodgers. Because, yeah, that's all I, that's all I want to know. Yeah, I think I might just be his good luck charm. Because what, in the two seasons before I got here, they went... Six, nine, and one, and seven and ten. Yep. So 13, 19, and one. And in the two seasons or one plus seasons I've been here, they're 16 and four. So, first of all, I would like to take all the credit for his play. And uh, second of all, you know, regardless of where you are um, in the United States covering a football team, you hear about Aaron Rodgers. He's one of the most polarizing players in the league, one of the most popular, one of the best players in the league. And I came in last July thinking, all right, here's a guy who's finally healthy. Let's see what he has in in year one of the offense. And from an off-the-field standpoint, granted I've only been exposed to Derek Carr, but just the answers that Rodgers gives, he's almost like a teacher of the game, even with us. Mm -hmm. And I know he talked about on his podcast with Kyle Brandt um, that he always tries to be thoughtful with, with his answers. And that certainly helps our understanding of the game, I think, you know, breaking down the coverages the Lions were in. Even w- when I did the story with him last year on all his touchdown partners, he remembers plays from over a decade ago in the exact route that, that uh, what's his name? Something Taylor, the tight end. Or it might have been Spencer Spencer Havner, Spencer Havner. I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Uh, there, there's a Ryan Taylor from North Carolina. Ryan Taylor, that was it. Yeah. Ryan Taylor and the route he ran on a play against the Raiders in week four in 2011 or 2008. Just his understanding of the game, his knowledge of the history of the game, um, it really informs our coverage and, and helps it. So I appreciate that, especially in an age when so many guys are PC on the field. It's still amazing some of the throws he can make at age 36. Um, He's obviously not as mobile as he once was. I think he scrambled a couple times today. It kind of looks like uh, an old guy kind of jogging on the beach at times. Um, (laughs) But I think the Packers will take what they get inside the pocket from him and outside the pocket if if they get a little uh, slower Aaron Rodgers on the run. What what I am amazed with, and, and I'll finish my answer on this, is the accuracy with which he's able to throw on the run. I think we saw more of it in the Minnesota game a week ago, but 
the two touchdown passes to Alan Lazard and Devontae Adams, the first touchdown pass to Devontae Adams in particular, his ability to contort his body and control where he throws the ball so pristinely and accurately while he's on the run with 250, 300-pound guys barreling toward him, knowing he's going to take a hit, is incredible. And I think it's something we as people who watch him every day throw a football, take for granted, but that is really hard to do, and he makes it look easy. And that's something I've gained an appreciation for is how he makes the uh, really difficult look easy. And, and you know, you've been covering him f- for 12 years now. Um, does it still look easy to you? It, like, do, are you still able to appreciate kind of some of the things he does on a daily basis? Yeah, that was the uh, quote-unquote good thing about <laughs> when he missed when he missed most of 2017 with the injury. Um, yeah, you, you kind of regain an appreciation. Like, you see the same – really the only quarterback you ever see every week is Aaron Rodgers and whoever the hell they're playing – um, yeah, you do kind of take it for granted. That being said, you, you look at 2018, he was decent. 2019, with, with, with you here last year, he was he had his moments of greatness and other moments where you know he'd have guys wide open and he'd miss them, or he'd have guys wide open and he wouldn't see them. I just kind of wondered if, if you, like in your shoes, where you kind of drop in on him in 2019 or whatever, and you're thinking, man, I've heard about this great quarterback, and I'm not seeing it. So this year has been quite a reminder of when he is, when he's got it rolling, he is unbelievable. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think next Sunday night, it'll be unfortunate that I won't be there. I I know neither of us will be. COVID has uh, restricted some travel um, physically, financially this year. So we'll both be watching, I believe, from our living rooms here in Wisconsin, um, other than that, we might be coming to you with an episode on Monday, an episode later in the week. Who knows? We love the feedback and the response we've gotten on the podcast so far. Keep it up. Keep sending in your questions. We'll answer them all the time. But for now, just keep up with Bill on SI. I'm on The Athletic, and and you know the promo I've been throwing out. You can sign up for The Athletic, $1 a month, best deal in town. Maybe what do you write? Bias, but what what are you writing, Matt? When when people log on, what what's, what you got for tonight? Yeah, I'm writing Aaron Jones tonight. Um, kind of how he made a statement today in saying that last year wasn't a fluke and I deserve my money. Today was kind of a statement game for Aaron Jones, and he's bringing it with the personality, with those golden black Oakleys that he has. And you know, Aaron Jones is always going to bring the flair. I'll have something tomorrow on Rashawn Gary, kind of how all the talk and all the hype. Uh, in the off season and even last season, we were wondering, is he going to show it? Are we going to see it on the field? And today we finally did. So that's a good sign for the Packers pass rush going forward. What about you? I'm going to do Aaron, Aaron Jones too. So maybe I'll wait for you to publish all this copy and paste. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to do the three, I'm, I'm going to do the three down stuff where kind of comparing where he was a few years ago to this unbelievable three down player that he is now. It's, it's, it's pretty remarkable what he's become. Well, we're all on the same page with that. Uh, yeah, so Saints next Sunday night, Sunday night football, prime time, Aaron Rodgers versus Drew Brees. Um, they kind of had that, that tiff earlier in the offseason about the anthem, but I'm sure that won't be a storyline because everyone knows how to just stick to football these days, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And I say that jokingly, we shouldn't <laughs> stick to football. I don't want that to be misconstrued. I think everything else going on is of more importance than football. And and that should obviously be a primary storyline. Before we go, that's not all we have today. Earlier this week, I sat down with Packers super fan, Nick Vial. If you don't know who he is, he 
is former Bachelor, and, and you guys might not be into that world, that that reality TV world, and and know how famous he is in that realm. But um, he's a diehard Packer fan from Wisconsin. A lot of good knowledge on this year's team, and we basically talked everything 2020 Packers, and it was a good chat, about 40 minutes long, so tune into that. Head of the Pack listeners, we now welcome on a very special guest. It's Nick Vial. Nick, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. My pleasure. So we're coming to you on Thursday before week two. This will come out Monday, so the Packers could be 2-0, could be 1-1. Week one of every season sets a fan's mood, tone for the rest of the season, so take me inside your head after week one, what we saw from the Packers in Minnesota. Well, I I it I feel great, obviously. I mean, who 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 wouldn't? But I think for me, it just confirmed what I have been kind of suspecting of this team uh, early on. Uh, I've been bullish on the Packers this year. I think uh, I like to think of myself as a level-headed, diehard fan. I'm not <laughs> I'm not insane, but I am a diehard fan. Um, but I think pragmatically, it it didn't make any sense the the national uh, like the the attention or or lack thereof the Packers were getting getting. I think Aaron Rodgers was right. I mean, the, it, they were surprisingly flying under the radar for going thirteen and three. And you have all the analytics, you have all these things of you know why people thought they'd be regressed or they got lucky. Uh, you know, I'm a listen. I love analytics. I think they're they're great and they can be very helpful. But you know, stats can be viewed a bunch of different ways to kind of paint the picture you want to paint, right? Uh, no doubt that the Packers, you didn't have the look of a 13-3 and team last year. No one's going to argue that. But at the same time, they still went 13-3. They were winning most of their games. Um, still really hard to do. And then you have a young team with a lot of – they had their core players back. They're all pretty young. So there's a lot of practical reasons to think that a lot of these guys should develop. You know, you, it's no guarantee that everyone's going to develop, but safe bet that like, someone's going to. Most <laughs> most young players, most, not at all, don't usually get worse. It's usually guys with age. Or, you know, there's injuries and things like that. So they looked great. And, I, you know, it's kind of confirmed. It's only one game, so we'll see. But, um, mm-hmm. the you know, I think the big story, obviously, is how Aaron Rodgers played, you know. And um, is this kind of you know, is a resurgence, uh, you know, or, 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 or just like, you know, last year against the Oakland Raiders, they looked like a dot, you know, a well-oiled right. machine without Devonte Adams. And then they couldn't move the ball when he got back. So who knows? But I think the good news is, is, uh, the accuracy seems good. And what's interesting about Aaron Rodgers for the past few years, you know, he like, he definitely didn't play amazing. You know, when they drafted Jordan love, I, yeah, I was shocked. I was I didn't love it at first, but it was like, hey, listen, in the moment, I don't love it. But I even said to my my buddy before the draft, I'm like, listen, like I love Aaron Rodgers. He's still my quarterback. I hope he's a quarterback uh, for the Packers for a long time. But the way he's been playing, it's time to start looking at his successor. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, we were just pat- we got into a, an area where it was like, hey, listen, you got to at least keep your, you know an open mind. And the thing about Aaron Rodgers is like, yeah, he's getting old, but like you're always like, what's the regression? Like Tom Brady, Drew Brees, they like, like physical limitations are starting to catch up with them. Like it's, it's pretty obvious when they play, like the head's still there. They'll make plays. 
but they just can't stretch the field like they did. Like some of the flow throws that you see Rodgers and obviously Mahomes do, like they just can't do. But mm-hmm. even in Rodgers like past few years, uh, when he was kind of playing average, sometimes below average, he would still be able to make these like wild plays, right? So it was like, all right, well, he can still do it physically. Like why, why, where's the, why is it, it's just the lack of consistency. So is it this footwork thing? I don't know. Is it because he's single and he doesn't have to worry about like getting uh, a I think fu- that's part of it. You know, I mean, is he just have his head back on straight? I, I do think there's a mental aspect to it. Like he definitely. I absolutely do. He was playing sloppy. He, you know, he like, you know, listen, I, I have no idea how to play quarterback. I am not an expert, <laughs> but you, you, you this, the, the eye test, it was like, he was kind of playing like he was like, yeah, this is too easy for me. And he kind of lost attention to the detail. That's just what it looks like from a, a total idiot fan. Um, but at the same time, he talked about having this resurgence. He talked about like seeing something, whatever it was. He looked good in training camp and he comes out and looks like the old Aaron Rodgers. So like, I'm optimistic that this isn't just like a one game thing. We'll see, but like, it's yeah, you know, um, we'll see. I think that's a good point because when we talk about athletes, we, and I, I mean, I'm guilty of this too, being in media, but we tend to treat them as guys who are robots out there for our entertainment. And then the past couple of times Rodgers has talked to us, he talks about his happiness and his mood. And normally that gets overstated, but here's a guy whose mood this offseason was literally dissected at each and every turn. How is he going to feel uh, with the Jordan Love pick? It's how does he feel after the McCarthy era ended? How is he going to feel with LaFleur? Like, I think it's very relevant to him and to hear him say, and he knows the shots he's taking when he said, I made some decisions in my personal life this offseason that have put me in a better headspace. And I honestly think he's happy. And that makes a difference. It goes a long way, man. <laughs> it goes I, a I, long I, way. I joke with my friends. I mean, like, I, 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 I talk about relationships all the time on my podcast, but like, it's yep. a anyone who like gives half of shits, like it weighs on you, you know, at work and your life. And when we watch football games, like you said, like we're all mad at, we, you know, a lot of us play Madden. We watch uh-huh. football games as if like, you know, Aaron Rodgers is rated a 93 and you turn off injuries and that's just how he's going to play every time you play your <laughs> friends. And like, that's just not he's a human in yeah, real life. It's just not the case. I mean, you, you, this is their job. It's, you know, certainly a lot more fun most of the time than like being an accountant. I was an accountant, mm-hmm. so I say that in a previous life, but uh, and no disrespect to accountants out there, but yeah, um, yeah, I think it's just a little um, that it affects you, you know, when you're going through whatever it is you might be going through, tragedy, financial problems, heartbreak, like I don't know, whatever. It it affects your mindset, your focus, and mm-hmm. I'm uh, we'll see, but uh, if if that's the case, I mean, this team really could. Um, be, be special. And the one thing to worry about, obviously, from week one is the defense. But I'm not worried about the yep. defense. I, I really, I, like, yeah, you let, you hate to see what happened. But you're like, okay, the talent's there. Um, they played sloppy. The defense, I think, will come together. I'm, I'm definitely not panicking on the defense at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. You know, on, on the surface, you see 34 points. But only 10 allowed through three quarters. And that kind of went into prevent there in yeah. the fourth quarter. Just keep everything in front of them. And hey, it, you're going to change the way you play if you have that much confidence that your offense is just going to score every time they get the ball like they did. Totally. I think one of my favorite stats from that game was, and this is from our, our Robert Mays, Aaron Jones ran into an eight-man box on a league high 43.8% of carries on Sunday. So 
the Packers spend all offseason convincing people with A.J. Dillon, DeGuara, uh, not drafting any receivers. They hype up Mercedes Lewis and Tanyan that they're going to run the ball down people's throats. And then the Vikings prepare for that. And then Aaron Rodgers just airs it out like, is this all just one long con by Brian Gutekunst to draft Jordan Love to light a fire under Rodgers, draft all these H-backs to think they're going to run the ball, and then just let Rodgers go off this season? Yeah, I mean, listen, I I love the media. I love you guys. But, you know, especially the national media loves to hype things (laughs) up, right? Oh, yeah. Listen, we... it's not rocket science why they drafted Jordan Love. You know, mm-hmm. he he fell to them. They clearly liked him on his board. It wasn't exactly like, like an Aaron Rodgers situation. They traded up. I get it, but they liked him, right? And even if they had draft the, the all the receivers they liked were off the board, I still think they would have taken that guy from uh, the San Francisco Niners took right before had he still been there. We will never know. Ayuk, yeah. I, I think the guy from Arizona State. Yeah, and I'm sure Rodgers would have liked that, but. Like, look at all the... Did any of these receivers that we wanted do anything week one? I mean, granted, it's week one, and there's no offseason, mm-hmm. but, like, not drafting a receiver uh, in the first round and drafting a quarterback isn't... My guess is most likely either way wasn't going to determine the outcome of how the Packers do this year, right? So, yeah. you never know. You might hit a home run with a rookie, but, listen, it's still... Even if Rodgers wins the MVP this year, it, it doesn't it doesn't have any determination whether the love pick was a good or not. What 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 will determine that in three or four years is how love's playing, yeah. you know. And is if he's ends up being really good, like you can't have too many great quarterbacks. They'll like they'll just figure out that problem. And there's there's no franchise that knows that better than this. Yeah. One. And I wanted to get your take on something because I think when we think about the receivers, everyone you know outside of Green Bay is like, who the hell is Alan Lazard? Who's Marquez Valdez-Scantling? I, I've deemed this the MVS experience, and we got a perfect dose of that on Sunday. And if you if say, wow. we get that, if we get that MVS <laughs> all year- Would you take that? One, would you take 100%. that? 100%. <laughs> okay. And, and, and honestly, hopefully he improves, but like this is his third year, fourth year. We forget- so easily how long it took Jordy Nelson to be a star and Devonte Adams and, too. I, dude, every, every Packer was ready to like just send, like never hear from Devonte after year two. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were done. We were all done. We we're just like, this guy sucks. You know, we, we, again, we don't see the injuries. They don't like to talk about it. He clearly had the high angle sprain. Again, it doesn't excuse like all his mistakes, but you know, just, Man, like it mentally wears on you. So yeah, but if he's gonna make some drops, he'll make some boneheaded plays. But like he is a weapon, and if he stretches the field, I mean that's the thing. It's like on paper, the Packers' offense, like you can make a strong case of why they're gonna be a top five offense. Like you know, if they have the quarterback, they have the running back. Offensive line is as solid as you know, top ten as solid as you know. There's some movement, there's some holes, but. They're, they're, it's it's better than a lot of teams out there for offensive line. They're deep at they get you know t- depending how Dylan does they got three solid running backs that one potential star running back developing receivers. They have these young tight ends. We'll see, you know they're going to move things around. It's year two of an offense. I mean, we again it's not Madden like we not every great offense <laughs> needs like five all star receivers. You know what do the the Saints have? Michael Thomas. Can the average right. fan name? Any like Ted Ginn, like you know, is Ted Ginn still seventeen? Can the average fan? He's on the he, Ted Ginn's on the Bears. There you go. Can the average <laughs> exactly. fan name two other wide receivers in the Saints from the past two years? 
You know, it's no, no. I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think so. I think w- when you brought up, you know, this narrative, the national narrative that the Packers are going to aggress, I think that's a couple things. They see they went eight and one in one score games last year, and and the automatic assumption it's is that silly, your silly, water is going to find silly its level. stat, silly stat. But I think another thing is you see what the Saints do in adding Emmanuel Sanders. You see what the 49ers do in just, you know, reaching the Super Bowl. The Chiefs make positive news for re-upping all their guys on contracts. And the Packers, like you said, one game from the Super Bowl, they pretty much, aside from Brian Bulaga, and I guess you could include Blake Martinez in there, they return everyone that got them there. Yeah, they got and, everyone and I, back. I, I a think, young team. Exactly. I mean, no <laughs> disrespect to Emmanuel Sanders. I don't think he's a difference maker. Jair Alexander shut him down twice last Yeah, year. I mean. Three times, actually, because he was on the Broncos when they played them in week three. Yeah, you don't win Super Bowls in the offseason. And Packers, mm-hmm. had, you know, were they had, a, like, Brian Gutenkist, for what he did free agency wise in the off season last year was Tremendous. was amazing because you know when you spend like that it just almost never works out so to get like two leaders and like they spent all this money and you know Turner fine but the the, the linebackers they got a deal i mean they really it's unbelievable they, it's it's yeah. insane you know and so yeah, so they, they have a young team. Thank God they didn't go out and spend. What is it? Was Emmanuel Sanders? I, I just don't know if he's going to make a difference. You, maybe, you know, Ted Thompson went a little, he got a little cheap, you know, but right. yep. draft and develop is still the way you build a franchise, you know? Um, so I'm glad, you know, you got to believe in your, your process. And if, you know, if, if MVS, if MVS can do this all season, we're going to be just fine. I think you're fine if he does that. And I think it's because you've watched Aaron Rodgers his whole career. You know, and he said this to us after the game, the only thing I need from a receiver is to be able to trust him because the ball is coming your way. And Alan Lazard has clearly earned that trust. MVS, I mean, he has those two drops and then Rodgers goes right back to him. So he clearly has that trust. And if you have three receivers who Rodgers trusts, obviously Devontae being the third, I think you're fine, regardless if Tanyan and Sternberger don't don't show out. You got Aaron Jones, and even now Tyler Irvin has guys the, he's comfortable the, passing. The tight ends will work themselves out. I mean, for all we know, uh, the lack of tight end production in game one might just be the fact that they didn't have cornerbacks. You know, right. like you, you game plan. It's like, oh, what don't they have? They have no cornerbacks. Like you and me are out there. So like, let's just use our receivers. You know, maybe they'll change it up. And the, yeah, those guys are developing. But And I don't know what, what Rodgers means, but like, you know, sometimes drops happen, but I'm guessing yeah. he when he says trust, I wonder if he just means I just want a guy to be in the right spot. I don't want to throw it and have it, you know, him go right and the, you know, and it's an interception. So if he drops it, he drops it. You know, stuff happens, but he just wants guys to be in the right spot. It seems like like we always wondered why Jeff Janis couldn't make the field because like <laughs> it was like you, the guy's like on his own path, you know, running wherever, you know, <laughs> right. Um, and, and I know Rogers love Jake Kumro, but. And here's the thing with Valdez Scantling. Kumaro is not going to drop a ball, but Valdez Scantling will have a spot on an NFL team until he hangs it up because he can beat anyone. He's the fastest guy on the team. Yeah. And you have to account for that. Even if he's going to drop, you have to guard that. And that opens up space for anyone else. Yeah. And, and, and once in a while, there'll be a deep ball where he's running where like, he looks like the most unathletic person, doesn't know where the ball is. I mean, a, that, that deer in headlights. Yeah, that drop, it was just like, oh, God. Like, I could, <laughs> yeah. I could look more athletic than that. But... Hey, man, like that was if he didn't have those two drops, I mean, imagine what we'd 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 be 
we'd be going nuts over MVS. Like for the sake oh, of our own, it would be unhealthy. For our sake of our sanity, because like yeah. on that third down crossover, there was no one like wait, 15 oh. feet. Who knows how, like that's 40, 50 yards. Who knows? Maybe he scored a touchdown. The other one, another 60 yard bomb. So then he's like up for like 180 yards, two touchdowns. Like we would 60 to 30. We'd be going insane right now. Like, oh, you know, so thank God for our own sanity. He like had like a pretty good game with some bonehead mistakes. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, you know, coming back from practice just now, um, I know this will come out after the Lions game, but it doesn't look like Kenny Clark is going to play on Sunday. Just going to ask you that. Thanks for the update. Which is a little troublesome because the only way, I mean, my favorite stat from last year is that, or I think the most interesting one, the Lions and Packers played for 7,200 seconds of game time. The Packers did not lead for one second of that time because obviously, as you know, Crosby hits walk-off field goals in both games. I think the only way the Lions keep it close here that they're decimated at cornerback but they got Adrian Peterson, and, and we know what he does at Lambeau, Carry on Johnson and DeAndre Swift, the second-round rookie at running back. And if you have Kingsley Kiki, Dean Lowry, and Tyler Lancaster up front without Kenny Clark, you I mean, Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook were – I mean, they had to pass the ball because they were down by so much, but you saw what they were able to do when Kenny Clark went out. So how much does that concern you if Kenny's out for an extended period of time because teams know that they can just run all over this team even when he's in there. Yeah, I mean, listen, it sucks. Uh, it's still early on. Thank God we have the Lions this week. I understand. Yeah, yeah. It, what That is an incredible stat, but I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure I heard this somewhere and it makes a lot of sense. Like, you can cover up for an injury for a game or two, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's like losing a Kenny Clark for a season. Like, you just eventually it catches up with you. I think they can definitely game plan and scheme and, and, and get a win. And they can, you know, they survived Devonte Adams for all last year. Like there's as great as Kenny Clark is like, they have a lot of other great players on the field. Like you mm-hmm. can stop the run. I mean, you know, good for Adrian Peterson for still doing what he's doing, but like, it's, <laughs> I'm not like terrified of the guy. He doesn't scare you anymore. Yeah. I mean like, listen, he can still get 200 yards and we can still win. Um, right. I'd like to see the defense step up. I'd like to for them to face the challenge of the kind of getting some criticism week one. It sounds like Detroit has. You know what worries me more? You know, all this talk about, oh, man, Minnesota had no corners and Detroit, they're like all beat up. It's like there's always these games where like the other opponents decimated, right? And, and cornerback. Yep. And then and they just get and Rodgers goes like oh for eighteen and we can't move the ball. And it's like who the fuck who's covering these guys? You know, I was like against the Chargers last year when you know they go out to L.A. And, I mean California was their kryptonite last. I year. I was at that game. They, yeah. they go out to L.A. and the Chargers just they were I think the Chargers were three and five. The Packers were seven and one going into that one. And they just stomped all over them. So you you just never know. Yeah, you know, you know the way some of these games. You go. never know, but I I and I wonder. And my hope, and we'll see after after Sunday. I think the biggest difference, you know, whether they go, I don't, I don't think they'll go thirteen and three. I think they'll go eleven and five, twelve and four. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they're going to be a much better team. And hopefully, it's the consistency that we lacked last year. It's the self implosion, the the dump, the mental mistakes, false starts, delay of games, you know, players missing assignments, knowing how to finish out an opponent. I mean, yeah, like they still finished out. Like the offense certainly finished out in Minnesota. It wasn't never that close. It, it, like you know, they lingered. No, it, it, it was never close. And every time Minnesota would score the score, the Packers would just be like. You know, whatever. We'll let's we'll get another one. We'll get another <laughs> touchdown. So um I, I just you know, I'd like to see this team like beat the team like really beat the teams that they should beat. And I think 
um, if this team is any good and, and worth like a chance at winning the Super Bowl, I suspect a, a similar domination to what we saw at Minnesota, um, regardless of not having Kenny Clark. They, they yeah. can scheme it. You know, Kenny Clark is great, but he is he is one guy. You know, yep. Um, and if they can't stop the run without, you know, like, if if their only chance to stop the run is Kenny Clark, then we got bigger problems. Uh, I think it's important to win this one because after that, you got at New Orleans on Sunday night. Even though they don't, they're not going to have Michael Thomas. Then Atlanta at home, and and we know what Atlanta has done to this team in the past. Then at Tampa, at Houston, versus Minnesota, at San Francisco. So starting off two and zero would probably be beneficial before that stretch. Yeah, we'll we'll see. You know, it's always one of those things too. Let's see how the season shakes out. You know, the or preseason power rankings. Like we have no idea. There's yeah. going to be a team. Packers were at eighteen, I think. Yeah, in one of them. Uh, you know, we, no one thought the Niners even after week one, we're going to be the team that they were. So there's going to mm-hmm. be a team that's much better than we anticipate. There's going to be a handful of those teams that like are like, who's this team sucks. Um, so we don't know yet. And we got like, I'm, I, I'm really excited to play new Orleans without a crowd. Like Rogers in a, that's huge. Rogers perfect situation is in a dome without a crowd. Yeah. Yep. He talked a lot about this in his early career of, there's just no conditions. Again, it's like using a matter reference again. Like you, you draft a team and you turn off weather and you turn off injury because you're <laughs> like, well, I don't want like some random computer glitch to affect how good I am at pressing buttons, right? So like, right. you know, weather affects it to win. You know, there's no wind, there's nothing, there's no crowd noise. So like Rogers can just be Rogers, and that that's a huge break for the Packers. Obviously, Michael Thomas. So we'll see. Uh, you know, the Saints are the Saints, but, you know, and I'll, I'll worry about Tampa Bay when they start winning a game. They yeah. didn't look anything special. No, they didn't. I, I wanted to touch on something that has become a big talking point around Green Bay. It's kind of more big picture. They get the Kenny Clark extension out of the way, but you got four pretty important players who are set to hit free agency next year. And, obvi- and, and I'll rank them in order of what I think the priority should be. David Bakhtiari. I, I, it's tough after that, but I, I think I'll go with Aaron Jones next, maybe. Then Corey Lindsley, then Kevin King. I, I almost want to flip-flop Kevin King and put him second, but they're not going to be able to get all four of those guys in. I think w- what has at least come out from reports is that they're actively trying to get Bakhtiari and Jones extended, but they have they drafted the kid from Oregon who started 50 games at center, Jake Hansen. They have Lucas Patrick, so I don't think they're going to re-sign Lindsley as valuable as he's been. And then Kevin King, if he plays well this season like he did last year and stays healthy again, I think they could give it some consideration. But I really think, you know, Jones, whether or not they should pay a running back, and then obviously Bakhtiari. I think Jones and Bakhtiari ultimately are the only two they extend out of those five. I, I think it's a good bet that it's the only two. I mean, I think the only one they app the, the only one that is like you just have to do is Bakhtiari, Bakhtiari. right? <laughs> yeah, and you can make an argument why they move on from any of the other three. Like, I love Aaron Jones; he's exciting, he's fun to watch. Just his game is just like you're just you're so thankful being to have a dynamic running back. It's just the Packer fans are just not used to having <laughs> right. a player like Aaron Jones. Yep. Um, but. They have a deep, you know, so it's like, do you break a bank on running back as good as Aaron Jones is? They, 
they have other options. You know, you can't. They don't have the the replacement of David Bakhtiar versus Aaron Jones is like it's night and day. Uh, it's a much steeper drop off. Not, not it's it's a different planet. <laughs> I don't even know who. I I think they would put Elton Jenkins at left tackle. It's a, yeah. It's a it's just it's. It's not even a conversation. I mean, I you don't want to for, consider for that. our sake. I hope Bakhtiari gives us a bit of a discount because he truly could ask for what he can ask for whatever he wants. Yep. Um, and um, Kevin, you know, Kevin King. It's like, yeah, there's the injuries there. I think they let him play, and then I think they try to get a hometown discount. And if Kevin King, if Kevin King wants to like get paid, paid, he's gone. If Kevin King is like, I just want to get like a fair, I want to be paid as a really good corner. I want to save the Packers. Mm-hmm. Then I think he has a chance to stay. I think Lindsay's Lindsay's gone. I just, yeah, it's just like he's he's great. I'd love to have him, but interior linemen are easier to replace. Um, yep. And uh, yeah, I think that 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 covers. But yeah, they're already tied against the cap. But I, who knows? I mean, the cap makes no sense to me. You know, no, you always, especially if it goes dead. We don't know what the cap. Yeah, the New Orleans Saints. Everyone's like oh, Minnesota, New Orleans. Like, oh, these guys are in cap trouble. And who are like just keep signing people and adding players. The, the, <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the L.A. Rams. I mean, like, what? What are they? How do, the Chiefs. The, the, the Chiefs. I, mean, I don't know. Even, but you always hear like the Rams are just constantly. Every player is making like. Forty million, or I mean, I'm exaggerating, <laughs> yeah. but it seems like everyone has a, every one of their positions are like, I, I, I'd, I'd be curious what that stat is, but between like, yeah. uh, like the top five salaries at each position, I feel like the Rams have a player on that team, on that, you know, quarter. You know. Well, yeah, I think Goff, Donald, and Jalen Ramsey all, and then you have to consider, in two years, I mean, you have two guys in Devontae Adams and Jair Alexander who will hit free agency. In 2022, who you absolutely have to extend. Yeah, we'll see what the, but, we'll see what the cap looks like. I mean, I saw yeah. something where Colin Cowherd wrote like the NFL's working on a billion dollar contract with every network. I mean, they just you know, so maybe everyone's just, <laughs> absurd amount. Of everyone's money just like, listen, them. guys, there's there's money to be had. <laughs> um, you know, maybe the it's funny because the Packers like they're not one of the owners, right? And I don't know how that yeah. works with deciding the salary cap, but I feel like Mark Murphy has less of a say. Uh, than say um, Jerry Jones in terms of like what they're willing to agree to pay players. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Bob from Sheboygan who's in those meetings with Jerry. Yeah, Jones so Jerry's just like just give him what he wants. Like I'll just like I'll just ump up the budget. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Mark's never really sure. He's just like, hey guys, what are we spending? You know. <laughs> yeah. Title Town. Um, um, yeah. No, I, I wanted to ask you, and I picked Robert Tanyan for this before the season prediction, not off to a great start, but if you had to pick one player who is an X factor to the team's success this year, whether it's Rashawn Gary, Robert Tanyan, who is your most important X factor for the 2020 season? Oh, I mean, it's got to be Gary. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he performs like a lot of people suspect he can. He he had a quiet game, but I guess he led the Packers in pressures. Even watching I think him. So, yeah. I'm not a film guy, but I try to pay attention. It's hard. But you just his hand movement, his use of his hands was noticeably different even week 1 than last year. He just seems like even from from a fan watching it on TV. Uh if he is in the same ballpark as the Smith brothers, and we have three top end outside linebackers. I mean, come on, you know. I, yeah. I think also like, I think weeks where Kenny Clark is out, I think you're going to see a lot of those th- three guys on the field at the same time. You know, I don't know that Gary's a pretty 
big guy. And I do think, and I'll give you one for offense and defense. And on offense, I think it's just going to be the tight end position in general. You know, okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think you're going to just one of them needs to. I think it's going to be all of them in a sense, okay. right? You're going to, you, just the way they use the tight end position. I mean, I'm, that's maybe a bold prediction since like the tight end <laughs> position like had zero production week one. <laughs> but I just think it, it might, you might not show up in the numbers, but it's just to, to have an offense that the, that the defense can't really game plan for because week one was a perfect example. Oh, we're going to put eight in the box. Fine. We'll pass it. Oh, you're going to two safeties deep. Cool. We'll run it. Uh, you know, you guard the other things. You know what? We have some athletic tight ends. We're going to start, you know, we'll pass it a different way. And I think they do have some young athletic playmakers that are going to have their moments. Um, and it's going to be spread around. It will be these, these guys. And I, I think they're going to, you know, help make this offense, uh, the type of offense that you just can't, you can't stop. They can only stop themselves. Well, it's interesting to me and just got a couple more here is just from talking to people around the team and, and watching practice every day, it really seems at least in the early stages that Rogers and this team likes Deguara a lot more than Sternberger, which is, you know, when they pick a guy in the third round, it's like, okay, he can do kind of the similar things as last year's third round pick. I know Sternberger was hurt, but, you know, you, you got to like what you see from DeGuara early on. And we were talking to Devontae Adams yesterday, and I asked him about Jair Alexander and, and how he's seen growth in him. And Devontae was talking about how when Jair first came here, he could tell by the just the way he walked and the way he played that he was going to be something special for his age. And Devontae said, you know who gives me that vibe now is DeGuara. And I thought that was interesting because he's not this flashy guy who catches a lot of passes, but you know he does everything pretty well, if that makes sense. From an outsider hearing you guys you know, share these stories, it sounds like Degar is just one of those guys who just knows how to play football. Yeah. You know? uh, and if he had the body of Jay Sternberger, he would be uh, a top five tight end eventually. Uh, but I, I'm still I, – I still believe that – this Jace guy can be something. It's still super mm-hmm. early. He was hurt most of his rookie year. Then he gets COVID, you know, so <laughs> I don't think they need to rush on him and he's still getting on the field. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, it's not as if he's not getting the Josh Jackson treatment of last year. You know, it's, he's not buried in the depth chart. He's just, he's, he, he's not the starter, you know, and he's, he's not getting, you know, five targets a game, but, Again, I think you're going to see it from all these guys. I'm excited for the tight end position in the next two to three years with these, these three, you know, all these guys and what they can develop because, you know, they're both tight ends, but they're also like play different positions. I think, you right. know, Deguara seems like he's, they're not going to ask him to do the same thing as they're going to ask Chase to do. You're going to see probably Chase split out wide more than you're going to see, um, yeah, I don't know how Deguara. I don't know these guys. Degu- yo, yeah, Deguara. no, you got it. Um, I, I agree. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think compared to the rookie season Jace had, yeah, it sounds like Deguara. It's just like he just <laughs> he just gets it. Where yeah. Jace might just be like, ah, oh, you're like if you weren't so dumb, you'd be amazing. Um, <laughs> but I, I think everyone says the tight end position is super hard to figure out. It, you know, Deguara having figured it out quick is. This is an exception, but that doesn't mean that Jace can't figure out in year three or four. Two, two more quick things I want to talk. I know it's not the most exciting thing to talk about, but O-line, especially after what happened in the season opener, then some quick season predictions. This O-line, and you were talking yesterday or earlier about, you know, 
false starts and penalties. I mean, this David Bakhtiari had, I believe, 12 penalties through the first 12 games last season. He had a down year we, last year. Yeah, he, he had a down year, even though he was a second-team All-Pro. Week one, no false starts, no holdings, and that's with your all-rookie left guard at right tackle. You move in Lucas Patrick to start. Lane Taylor goes down, so Rick Wagner and John Runyon Jr. have to come in. And you still allow no sacks, no false starts, no pressures. Now, if I had to take a guess on Sunday, I think it'll be Bakhtiari, Jenkins at left guard, Lindsley at center, Turner at right ta- at right guard, and Wagner at right tackle. But, you know, really? you, you as a so? fan have been spoiled for years with yeah. tremendous offensive line play. How do you feel about this year's unit, especially with some of the injuries early? The injuries suck. And I said this, you know, the injuries more than anything scare me about the chances of the Packers' success this year. They got, mm-hmm. they were really fortunate last year, and that that's just not sustainable. So to have, you know, a starter go down for the season week one, that that sucks. And then you not great. And then you have Kenny Clark. You know, is Kenny Clark going to be out a week, three weeks, four weeks? You know, you don't want him. You don't want him to come back too soon with a a groin injury. So like, you know, does that level out? But I still feel okay about the offensive line. I mean, every everyone's saying that Jenkins, like Jenkins, might the next great thing. So. I wouldn't. I, I kind of like this idea of him playing right, being the right tackle of the future. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Lucas Packard, Patrick sounds like he's doing okay, and this uh, Runyon guy, you know, played a few snaps as a rookie, season one, no off season. Seems like a player. Like they seem to have these. You know, they they late got late, but they drafted some interior linemen late last year, like three, three guys or something. I don't know. So if, yeah, three straight if they guys develop, in the sixth round. I feel okay about it. And if game game one is any indication that they're well coached and they'll figure it out, I mean, barring injuries, I still like we'll get Turner back. He'll he'll do his thing. You know, he'll be okay, and you know, won't be yeah. like he'll be fine. He'll he'll but fill he, like, a spot. It, you know, we we have been spoiled because I will I'll take Turner. Yes, we're lucky to have him. You know, and he has the unfort. You know, he signed the big contract, so now he's supposed to be amazing. Right. But, I'm glad he's on the team. Um, you, you, God, it's like the, you could be a Minnesota or a Seattle fan. We're just like every year. Like there's not, I don't know what it's like because we've been lucky, but like to have a, a porous offensive line is just horrible. It's got to be so frustrating as a fan. Houston Texans. Yeah. Um, so I feel, you know, if we can stay healthy, I feel pretty good about it. But it sounds like as long as we have Jenkins and, and, and Bakhtiara, our, our offensive line has a shot. And um, yeah, I, I think so too. Um, just lastly, uh, you know, th- they could be starting two and zero, and maybe our our predictions change here. But give me a, a worst case scenario, best case scenario, and then your realistic prediction. I, I think worse aside from a quarterback injury. I think worst case scenario is is nine and seven. I really don't see how they're any worse than that. Even even with a tougher schedule. I just think Rodgers and Adams are too good and they have too many stars in the Smiths and uh, Jair and Kenny. And I think even Kirksey's an upgrade over Martinez. So I think nine and seven just also because they just whooped up on the best team, the best, you know, opponent they have in the division. Chicago and Detroit don't wouldn't scare me. Best case scenario, I think, is is 13 and three. I, I think realistically they go 11 and five, win the division. I don't see any reason they can't get back to the NFC Championship game or even further. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm in line with with you, barring, you know, I think I think if they go nine and seven, I think it's because they were unlucky with injuries. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, minus, you know, getting minus the quarterback position because that that changes everything. But I will say, knock on wood, if it were to happen, I feel like we have a team more better positioned to survive a Rodgers injury, especially if it's, you know, a few games. Uh, you know, Tim Boyle has looked really right? good. I was just out at practice now. He, even today, he made some throws. Like, I think Tim Boyle could potentially put you in position to win in NFL. Yeah, football. and I feel like, I feel, I think Matt LaFleur is a, and I, I liked I I liked Mike McCarthy. We were thankful to have mm-hmm. him. Uh, I hope he does well in Dallas. That being said, uh, I I think Matt Lafleur is a better coach for a backup quarterback, right? I think Mike McCarthy just was spoiled with Aaron Rodgers so long. As much as he was good at developing quarterbacks, I just his game plan, the way he called the game, he's like, I need I need a great quarterback to play the game I want to play, and I think. You know, look at, you know, Matt LaFleur comes from the, you know, that, what's the, what's his, in San Francisco? Or Mc, the McVay, uh, McVay Shanahan. And trait. those guys, I feel like they're more like, well, we need a good quarterback and we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, you know, they'll run the ball more. They have a better running game. So knock on what I hope doesn't happen, but I do think they are better, better positioned uh, with you guys saying how Tim Boyle looks. But I, best case scenario, I think they win the Super Bowl. I mean, listen, the Chiefs right now in Baltimore, they, they look mm-hmm. scary good, but, uh, the difference between expectations of the Chiefs in Baltimore versus the Packers after week one is that we're all considering last year. But if, right. if Rodgers, and this is still a big if, but if Rodgers is all of a sudden 2014 Rodgers or 2000, you know, closer to 2014, 2011 than he has, then this is a totally different conversation. The NFL's in trouble if Rodgers keeps playing like he did against yeah. the Vikings. Yeah, and now he's now we have that plus an Aaron Jones and these three-headed monsters at running back and like three you got you got good corners, you got a good pass rush. I mean, that's they have they they have the players in every position you need to win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're going to have to get a little lucky injuries you know pull out a few games you know see what happens and and hope the ball bounces your way but i i definitely think it's not crazy to think they win the super bowl i don't think it's crazy at all well hey nick can't thank you enough for coming on obviously he's got a way more successful podcast than this one so you guys check that out always always good to talk packers with you nick really appreciate it Uh, anytime man i i I love i love talking football (laughs) all right thanks for having me